Welcome to Let's Get Proximate, the podcast that explores the stories, experiences, and challenges of others so we can learn to innovate, create, and collaborate with lived experiences different from our own. Join host Alex Allen and Callie McKee as they explore the power in proximity, leveraging the value of meaningful interactions and insights to disrupt false narratives and foster understanding that leads to real and lasting transformation. This episode is brought to you by Cisco, an industry leader in technology innovations and solutions. With networking, security, collaboration, cloud management, and more, Cisco helps to securely connect industries and communities, creating the bridge to possible. Find out more at www.cisco.com. Welcome to the Let's Get Proximate podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Allen. I'm the Senior Director for People and Communities here at Cisco. And I am a black man with short black hair. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm so excited to be here to be joined with a special guest and also my wonderful co-host, Callie McKay. Hey, let's get proximate, Alex. I love this. My name is Callie McKay, y'all. I work with Alex in the inclusion and collaboration space here at Cisco. I am a white woman in my 40s. I've got long brown wavy hair with some white streaks throughout, and I'm wearing my glasses today and my blue blazer. So Alex, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. And I tell you, team, we really couldn't do this without our partners in the customer and partner experience engineering team for supporting us and sponsoring this session. And just really quickly, we're going to just talk about what this podcast is all about. We want to dive deep into getting proximate. We're going to talk about the approach on having conversations across difference, and we're going to meet a ton of great people and learn about their lived experience. And before I introduce our special guest, I'd love to turn it over to you, Callie, and provide us with just a summary of what's been going on with proximity over the last few weeks. Oh, all right. This week, these weeks in proximity, Alex, we've been so busy. Proximity has been doing such great work at Cisco. And so we've had some coaching sessions. I know we've had some proximity meetings ourselves. We're also expanding out to our APJC region this week. I'm so excited about and we're going to be coaching with our directors. But one of the things I wanted to talk about with this great coaching session that I had last week. So for y'all of y'all who might have not have caught our other podcasts, we coach all of our leaders before they have conversations. And this one, I had about 10, I think 10 or 12 VPs and above in this coaching session. And we were so blessed because we had such a great conversation. But one of the great things about it is that Gloria Goins, who's our new chief diversity officer, was in her proximity coaching this week as well. And Gloria was just so great. And we love when our leaders can talk about their own experiences and how the works connect. And of course, Gloria had such a great perspective on this. And she really talked about being new to Cisco and having folks talk about this transformation work that we're doing, both in CX with our new org that Tamaya is going to lead, and then in our sales transformation. And she talked about the power of proximity, the skills we learn as we get proximate as being so crucial to this work. So understanding relationship building, understanding trust, and understanding how to see things from the perspective of others when we're relating to our customers, where we're innovating within the business. So I just thought that was such a great connection to the work, not only the work we're doing at Cisco now, but just really making that case for this is work that's going to benefit us in so many ways. So I'm excited today for our special guests, for us to learn more about the folks at Cisco, Alex, and for us to continue to build our skills on getting proximate. 
Thank you, Callie. I love that. What's so exciting time here. Michelle Matrick, she's our guest today, and she is in our joining Connect organization as a program manager and change management leader within the organization. And Michelle, as we get into this, you're a visionary leader. You excel in dynamic, innovative environments that focus on delivering business value and strengthening partnerships. She is known for turning around stalled projects by building consensus, driving forward momentum, and overcoming challenging obstacles. She's about doing the right things for the right reasons, the right way to drive business impact. So Michal, welcome to this, our podcast. Thank you so much for having me join. I so appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here, Alex. And Kelly, love the enthusiasm. (laughs) Always Michal. And and before we get started, you all, I want to tell you that I am a participant in the Proximity Initiative as both a leader and an employee. And Mi Chow and I, a few months ago, were actually able to get Proximate. We had a conversation across difference, and I was so inspired by that conversation that I wanted her to come and join and, and hear her voice across this podcast as well. And so in this session, Callie and I will ask you questions, Mi Chow, and then we'll just have a dialogue similar to what we did a few months ago related to the Proximity Initiative. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Alex. Okay. So I would like to start with really your experience, your story. I'd love for you to just start from the very beginning, if you would love to share this about who you are, how long you've been with Cisco, and just tell us a little bit about your story as an individual. Thank you. I appreciate that. So again, I'm Michal Matrick, and I am a five foot one, full of fun <laughs> individual. I am, I have olive skin, black hair with highlights that today I'm wearing, go back a little bit and I'm wearing a flowered blouse because it's springtime and it's happy time. It's time for growth, new things. And I'm very excited about that. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I am a first generation Asian American from Vietnam. And I have been with Cisco for a few short years, only 19. I started here as a, exactly, as a contractor. And then I got converted when Cisco brought recruitment in-house. And I've been loving it ever since. Thank you so much, Michal. And I'd love the audience to, like, how you grew up, how you became the person you are today, and just some of your early influences. And thank you for that introduction. Your thing. It's my pleasure. So the interesting thing about my Asian culture is that in Asia, I don't just say broadly in Asia, we all grew up with the same instructions from our parents. I don't know you, but I know you got the same training. You work hard. You don't cheat. You don't lie. You don't steal. You're humble. You go in. When you grow up, you're going to grow up, go to work, and you're going to do your absolute best for that employer. You're going to give it your all. You're going to be dedicated. And as you are doing those things and that hard work, your leader, your manager will recognize that hard work and reward you accordingly. You're going to be the best individual because if you're not, that brings shame on the family. So when you are out in the world, you're not just representing yourself, but you're representing all your generations. So when people say, I know your parents, I know your grandparents, I know your aunts. 
they all are watching you and making sure you are being the best human being possible. Yeah. So there's some, Ooh. there's a little bit of micromanagement there. <laughs> I hear pressure, be child, like that pressure. And it's so interesting that you started like that because one of the things I hear you saying too is you're just very positive. You're talking about growth. I'm wondering about that coming together of those two ideas that seem so maybe diametrically opposed to me. How does that work for you? It's one of those things, Callie, that you have to learn how to navigate. And I appreciate you sharing the question in that way. I will say one of the biggest growth areas that I experienced was learning how to take what was ingrained in my DNA based on my upbringing, how to navigate that in corporate capitalism America, because they don't go hand in hand, right? And so it was really understanding who I am, my values, then I can take this and pull it together to be the best me possible for for this organization. That's amazing. And you and I, Michelle, and please feel free to answer how you're comfortable related to being a Vietnamese woman and how that shows up in the United States, as you mentioned, capitalism. I'd love to just for you to share a little bit of that with us. Sure. I will say very candidly, it was very scary and frustrating because As I did my job and I did my job well, and I would get feedback from my leaders that I was doing a good job, it wasn't getting the rewards necessarily from it. And it was because humble. Remember, I mentioned that earlier. You have to be humble. So you're going to be recognized for that hard work. And I was recognized in terms of one-on-ones with my boss, but it did not go beyond. And there are several reasons for that, right? And we all know as leaders, And I say leaders, not just managers, but as leaders, we recognize that there are some managers who like to hold on tight to their very best talent because it it helps their business. So that absolutely makes sense. We have leaders who are managers who, when they're sitting at that review table, might not be as vocal as some others. And so there are lost opportunities. We have leaders who are very strong in all of that and are able to advocate and help their employees and advance their employees. And so I had situations where I had some leaders who wanted to hold on tightly or who didn't have the same voice, right? Their voice wasn't heard equally. And so I had to learn all that because from my side as an individual contributor, when I was an individual contributor, I just thought every leader was equal and they all had the same voice and they had the same opportunity. And I learned very differently as time progressed, because again, 19 years, you learn a thing or two. And so then I had to learn to evaluate my leader properly so I could help my leader become my partner in my career and in my advancement. And so that took a minute or two to learn, to understand how to navigate that and to help my leader and support my leader in them promoting me 
Wow. I think that's such good advice. I'm resisting the urge because I know I can go back and listen to this, Meechow, to take all of these copious notes while you're speaking, because I think it's such great advice. And Alex, I think about the work we do with sponsorship and the work we're doing with proximity, right? Because we acknowledge it's not just enough to work hard and be really good at your job because of all of these things that you just mentioned, Meechow, is that we need advocates. And I think really importantly, you talking about as an individual contributor, how you helped your leader be that advocate for you. And that's the beauty of getting proximate as well. I love that. Thank you for that, Callie. I will say this, a lot of employees forget that as individual contributors, we have a responsibility too. First, we have to communicate to our leaders what it is we want, right? It's not that your career just happens. It's what do you want from your career? And then you partner with that leader to help you to get there. And I would say, having worn the hat of an individual contributor, as well as a people leader, I try to make sure I do that with my team. For the CAN organization, CAN RTP specifically, because I am Asian, I do understand that economy of that DNA versus corporate America. So I'm really trying to help the CAN RTP ERO learn how to find their voice, be comfortable with their voice. In fact, I did a training, a professional development training for them recently on how to prepare for their career development conversation with their leader. My brew tag was, it's your career, it's your choice, it's your voice. Mm. All those pieces have to be there in order for this to be successful. So I want to hit on a couple different things. And I want to talk about the conversation that you and I had, Michal, and I want to talk about you obtaining your voice and being able to advocate for yourself and those challenges that you may have had early in your career. And it feels like now you've come out of that, which I think is beautiful. But if you don't mind sharing with the audience around you personally, your lived experience, some of those challenges around obtaining your voice and other people hearing your perspectives, I'd love to hear that. And then I want to come back to that I think you mentioned the Connected Asian Affinity Network, CAN, right? Yes. I want to come back to that as well, but first, your lived experience around obtaining your voice. Okay. For those that have been around me and the CAN community specifically, they will say, Michelle, you've always had a voice. And I haven't. I haven't. I had to learn how to have my voice and I had to learn how to share my voice. I would say that... It was always hard being in the room, being at the table, and not being able to speak up. There were challenges because I felt like everyone else at that table had more experience, older, wiser, whatever. There was always some reason why it wasn't equal to them. And it wasn't comfortable. And I would say that the discomfort came from that, again, ingrained training of be humble, be quiet. There are others that are more at that table. You should listen and learn. And so it wasn't until years, it was years, literally. And I've worked at companies like IBM, GSK, and now, of course, for Cisco. And even at Cisco, it took me a while to get to the point where I was comfortable in giving feedback and speaking up. The way I learned how to do that was not to advocate for myself. It was actually me advocating for other people. I did that so well. 
also a great advocate for other people. Not some of that. And one day it hit me and I said, wait, how come I can do that for other people but I don't do it for me? How come I can help coach people on how to ask for their promotions for what they need? And yet I'm not taking my own advice. Hello. And that's when the light bulb hit. And honestly, it never occurred to me because in the Pan-Asian culture is about, and I don't know that I like the term servant leadership, but it is about putting others above yourself. And so putting someone else above me and helping them, it's the hardest thing in the world for me. To do it for myself, hardest thing in the world. And I had to spend some time reflecting and thinking about me for me. And recognizing that I had as much value as all these people that I was helping. In fact, I had more responsibility because I was able to do that. I needed to put my, get myself in a position of leadership, define leadership as corporate America defined leadership, right? To help others and also to help myself. So then I, so I had to trick myself. Honestly, I'm just being very <laughs> candid with you. Feeling about the yes. But I kind of had to trick myself and say, okay, I've told other people how to do it. Let me do it. And then I can also be an example. And yes. now that I've twisted it to say, I'm going to do this for me, but I'm also doing it for others. I've now given myself permission to go for this for myself. Right? Oh. It's hard. Yes. hard to make those shifts. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, I think it, it's so interesting that you talked about that kind of that process for you and the messages that you got before, right? That made that hard to advocate for yourself. And you talked about other people in the room were more, right? They were more experienced, they were older. And I think one of the things that I've been, my my lens has been widened about is meeting with leaders who were talking about this very thing. They would say something like, I am so open. I am so here for feedback. And yet I don't hear feedback in particular from some folks in the Pan-Asian community. I'm just here and ready. And they said one of the things that was really helpful for them is hearing things like you just said of, there's a very hard ask that goes against a lot of what we were told about when it's okay to speak up. So I'm wondering, as you talked about working on yourself and having to trick your brain a little, which I love because we all have those little things, as you think about leaders in this space who maybe have folks who are on that journey for themselves, what are things that leaders could do to help that journey along or just to create and hold space for that journey? Thank you, Kelly. That's a great question. It comes down to trust. It comes down to trust. There has to be that trust between us. And I say that to say, as a people leader, I have a team. And my team is from all over. And some of my team members are brand new to me. And I had to spend a lot of time establishing trust with them to let them know, one, that I'm on their side, that I'm here to support them your leader to say, I'm your leader and I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm your leader to act as your advocate and your support to help you be successful to accomplish Cisco's goals. That's why I'm here. No other reason. And I think the best way for leaders to help their employees to build that trust is to be open with them, be vulnerable with them. When you share your vulnerability and I really don't like the word vulnerability because I think that is one of our biggest strengths. 
Yeah. I've gotten more from folks by sharing my vulnerabilities that I'm not perfect, that I'm not like 1000% superwoman. I'm not, not those things. I thought for a long time I had to be, I gained a lot more and was able to develop more authentic relationships by being honest with myself and with them and saying, no, I'm not perfect in everything. I don't mind you thinking that, but I'm not. <laughs> Michelle, talking about vulnerabilities and trust and some of the things you mentioned, where does identity or does identity play into that? I just want to hear, love to get your thoughts on that. It absolutely does. There's a lot of, from early on, and I think this is just common early on, we all have things thrown at us as far as the values and things you should strive for and who you should be. And that's great. That's all great to take in. Then you have to spend the time to evaluate and say, yep, this is for me. This is not swipe right, swipe left, right? This works, this doesn't. To find out for yourself, you can't be authentic with others if you're not authentic with yourself. And so many of us are not because we are putting on a front. In the business environment, we're coming, we're showing up in our three-piece suit. And I know that's a long time ago, folks, so don't judge. I've been here 19 years. <laughs> there was a time we used to wear suits indoors. Those things, those fallacies have to be put to rest so we can be authentic with ourselves. Then we can be authentic with one another. What's what I enjoyed about our proximate conversation was the fact that immediately within 10 minutes of conversing with you, I want to trust with you. Share things that I did not before share with friends I've known for 20 years. Okay. Part of it was you and how welcoming and how open you were. But it wasn't just that you said, I'm here, I'm open. It was you asked me pointed questions that helped me to open up to you. And that is key. There has to be genuine interest on the side of the other person. And that's not always the case because there's a difference between saying, hey, I'm here, I'm open. You share whatever you want to with me. I'm supposed to be maybe going and doing a little research and saying, oh, interesting. And we have some things to talk about that help to make things a little bit more comfortable so we can have that more immersive dialogue. Ooh, leaning into curiosity, Alex. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's what makes that's what makes good proximity conversations, right? It's developing that trust. It's leaning into that curiosity. And I think, Micha, what you just said about admitting what you don't know, where you have opportunities to to grow as well. I love that. And I will be honest, I told I spilled all of my secrets to Alex in the first 10 minutes I knew him too. So he's just got a he's just got a way about him. He just he, he just <laughs> he does. Absolutely. We gotta give him his props on that. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. I'm just so grateful to have met and worked with you, Callie, and met you, me Chow, and continue to work with you. I'm just so excited about the, our conversation today. I want to just go to what does inclusion, and Cal, you can answer this question too, but this is for you, Michal. What does inclusion look like and sound like for you related to your identity, your personality, who you are? What does that sound like to you? That's not a small question there, Alex. <laughs> Michal, because we want to honor the full you. That's what we want leaders to really understand here when they're getting proximate is there are a number of things that make up the individual, right? And so the things that you're caring about, the things that you're maybe even insecure about, those are the things that we as leaders need to really lean into 
And that might be uncomfortable, right? That's going to be an uncomfortable thing. But one of the areas where I think we all can do better as leaders is that what does that inclusion look like on an everyday basis? And for you as an individual? Inclusion to me is really the thought and the planning and a roadmap to make sure we don't leave folks behind. And what I mean by that is that there are times that we think we're being inclusive and yet we've missed the boat. I'll give you an example. I have had situations where I've been in conversations with leadership and it's broad stroke planning. And that's great that we start with the broad strokes. But in order to ensure that we do have and have been thoughtful about inclusion, we need to have the fine details. All those components need to be filled in. CROs are wonderful. I love them. I'm a part of most of them because I just I celebrate all the EROs. But it is interesting to me that some of our EROs are still challenged. EROs that make a lot of noise get a lot of attention. It's like employees who make a lot of noise get a lot of attention. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. What are we doing for those that don't squeak, don't squeak loud enough, don't know to squeak or not comfortable to squeak? So I would like to see us take that into consideration and let's go help. Let's reach out our hand and help uplift those that are unable to do that right now. Let's coach them. Let's mentor them. Let's show them that we care. We value them. And we want We want to include them. Invite them in. With the pan-Asian community, with CAN, I did a survey back in December. But this is my example. Did a survey out in December. Sent it out right before shutdown in the WebEx space so everybody could see it. Included everybody because everybody's there. Got six responses. Six. We have 200-something members in our space. Six responses. So during the break, shut down. I thought about it. I came back. I said, Michal, you were not inclusive. Because you know that with the Pan-Asian community, when they see such a broad broadcast like that, someone else is going to respond. They're not, somebody else that's not more relevant things to say will respond. So what I did, I changed my process. I actually sent out personalized messages, ping people directly, letting them know why I was asking, letting them know why I wanted their feedback. My survey response rate went up. Then I also added on there that if anyone wanted to have a one-on-one chat, let's check the box and I will schedule time to chat with them. So since January, I have had 70 one-on-one conversations with CAN RTP members, and it's been phenomenal. So wow. We, I know Callie is going to, Callie and I talk about this all the time. That's the hard work. That's the yes. hard work that it takes. Callie, let me let you follow up. I know you're. Oh, I, as Alex would say, I'm tripping right now because I'm so excited about so much that you said, me, Chow, is when we think about designing with and not for communities, that's one of the things that we're trying to talk about is how can we, when we envision what does inclusion look like, if we just do it from our own lens from our own stuff, so to speak, that doesn't work, right? What we're really having to do is talking to folks from the different communities about what does this look and sound like for you? And then to your point, what are those little everyday behaviors that ultimately impact how we work? So now, so it's not just enough for me to say I'm inclusive, but for you to have that reflection, y'all. And I want you to hear this, y'all, as a moment of learning (laughs) for anybody 
is if you're not getting the responses or if you're not getting the engagement, you say often with this work, if the flower's not growing, we don't blame the flower. We look at the environment, right? We look at the soil, we look at the sunlight, the water. And so this is an example of looking at the environment and saying, is this truly inclusive? And you don't have to know. You happen to know, Michao. I want to say like, you happen to say, oh, okay, let me reflect based on what I know about my own culture or my own folks who are in that Pan-Asian community. But for folks who don't know, it's also okay to ask those questions. It's also okay to say, I'd love better engagement on this. What would make this feel more inclusive? What is something I could do to, or I want to start having those one-on-one conversations like you're having. I love this. And I love also thinking about how we're supporting our EROs throughout. It's not just during PI Heritage Month, which absolutely it should be. But in addition, how are all those intersects coming and how are we supporting each other in that way? So I'm tripping, Alex, because this is my dream for what I want every leader when they have a proximity conversation to say, oh yeah, I wasn't being inclusive in my process. That's how we can engineer. So that's what we're looking for, folks, is that kind of recognition. Yeah. I know we're running we out but let me tell you, I wanted to go a little bit of a different direction, Meech out, because it was something in our meeting that you and I had together that I thought was ex- extremely impactful. So I'm going to actually be vulnerable and share with you. And if you would reciprocate, I would love that. If not, I understand is I grew up, was born in the United States. My parents uh, went to historically black college, Florida A&M University. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. I grew up an American citizen from the very beginning. And I have not had the experience of immigrating from another country into the United States. I have not had that. So it's not something that I'm thinking about on a day-to-day perspective. I'm thinking about other things where I may have challenges. I'd love for you, if you may, share a little bit of that experience, first generation, and a little bit of what that experience is like and what that means to you. Sure. I'm happy to share. And thank you for sharing that and sharing that story with us. So I will share with you from two lenses. I'll share my own story. So I came over to the U.S. when I was very young from Vietnam. And to let you understand the mentality of Americans at the time, there was an Asian girl coming into the community, right? So I came to Concord, North Carolina, which is a small community right next door to Charlotte, North Carolina. It's actually where the Charlotte Motor Speedway is. But everybody was excited. Oh my gosh, we have an Asian child coming. And so excited that they sent a news crew out to shadow me. And I was five, six. I was like really young. So they head start, right? I went to head start because I didn't know any English. And so I learned to speak English by watching television, cartoons. Thank goodness for the back names, right? And then being in the school. I had people look at me, adults who would look at me and I'm playing with the kids. And the adults were saying things like, Oh, bless her heart. So for those that are not from the South, you might not understand, bless your heart can mean so many different things. The context in which they were saying it was, I figured out later, I learned later, was bless her heart. She's going to have a hard time. Bless her heart. She doesn't know that she's different. Bless her heart. There will be challenges, but she's not one of us because these communities, very tight knit communities, and I was not one of them. And all throughout school, we had different people who 
advocates, yes, but I also had a lot of people who looked at me differently, but I didn't understand it because I didn't know any better. I didn't know I was different. I'm very grateful for that. And so I embodied the culture I was around. So the culture I was around was Caucasian, middle-class Caucasian, and that's what I exhibited. That's what I knew. And it wasn't until I was presented in a situation at school where my cousin, who had come over after the Vietnam War, came over and he was watching me engage with the other kids and everything. And he came home and he said, why are you acting like that? I said, what are you talking about? Why am I acting? He said, you're acting weird. I'm acting Vietnamese. Who are you? Because I had lost myself because I had embraced my culture uh, that I was living in at the time. And so he called me out on it. And then when my mother heard, uh, she really called me out on it. <laughs> so we had some re-cultural training at that point. <laughs> if <I'm saying. laughs> Look, I tell you what, Michelle, I have had that duality too. Growing up in a black home, in a white culture, I have absolutely had that same feeling where you're trying to almost subconsciously assimilate your behavior to fit in. So I really relate with that. I remember that from our proximity conversation as well. I'm going to give you a chance, Callie, jump in here because I know you have, you're excited because that's the challenge we even face today in corporate society. Oh yeah. You all said it best having that experience. And what I would say from an ally point of view is someone who hasn't had that experience is to think about the level of energy, <laughs> the level of, we talk about mental energy and physical and all of that thing that is a constant negotiation. And so when we talk about things like privilege and we talk about part of that is not having that negotiation, that not doing it in that energy that takes. And that some folks still today, of course, are still negotiating all of these things. I'm sure, Alex, I know you've talked about it. Michao, I'm sure that's the same for you is it's just having that negotiation of, being enough of whatever, feeling maybe Vietnamese enough, or maybe feeling Black enough, or maybe feeling, for me, it would be feeling queer enough or gay enough in that situation. It's like that constant movement. So that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Michao. And I think it's such a fascinating thing to think about as we just what this corporate culture is and what it means and how we show up and what is professional and what is accepted and what is all of these things, like challenging those things every day. I just wanted to say there's something I would love to see. I actually had a one-on-one chat earlier today with a lovely lady who said to me, I had this Black coworker that I feel very comfortable having conversation with her. And I told her, I don't see color. I see everyone, right? And she said, she turned to me and said, don't say that. That's not okay to say, but she didn't understand why. So we had a conversation about why I, let me try to help you to understand that. Let me help to try to bridge that gap from my perspective, right? And so in, in sharing my viewpoint with her, what I simply said was, you don't see color, then if there are people of color, how do you truly see them? So it's like seeing saying all kids are the same. They're not. They're individuals. And you have to be able to see that individuality. You have to see the person. I said, but what concerns me in our society is that when people make comments like that, 
instead of being afforded the opportunity to have someone engage with them and help them, there's attack, immediate attack. And I would love to see us grant more grace to one another in saying, I don't understand, can you help me to understand? And for people not to necessarily say, it's not my job to make you understand, it's not my job to help you. Because I feel like if someone's trusting me enough to say to me, I don't understand, help me, absolutely going to do my best to help them. And I think that's a grace that we are not extending to each other enough. I'll tell you, Micha, I think you're touching on such a complex and dynamic topic there. It is. This is what we created proximity for. I just want to let you know that. Our inclusive people in inclusive communities, they opt in. And so they're participating in that dialogue. And so I think that me personally, I'll just mention this and Callie, you can add to this. I want people to see that I'm a brown skinned, short haired man. I want them to understand that's a part of my authentic being and that's who I'm going to show up as. And I love this in the construct of our conscious culture, being conscious about the dialogue is something I'm so proud about related to Cisco. And I think we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And for you to have that dialogue and be able to have that trust with that employee. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And it's uncomfortable. You have a dialogue and you're, but guess what? You left that conversation with a better understanding. She left that conversation with a better understanding and that'll bring you all closer in the long run. So that's true. She's a new people leader. And so I've offered to be her buddy, the experienced leader. Thank you. And that's the next step. When we, talk about, when we talk about what action are we taking as it relates to proximity, you just demonstrated that. Mm-hmm. You have taken an action to offer to be her buddy, and that will be reciprocated. And so that's the idea here, y'all. And I know I'm getting excited. I'm being a little bit louder than I usually am. I love it. Simple, inclusive action that we want people to take from the proximity or getting proximate or having a conversation across difference, call it what you want, Callie, call it what you want. That's right. I think this is also the difference when we talk about that idea of seeing color, right? We talk about the difference between equality and equity, right? Equality is like everybody gets the same thing. And so, you know, everybody, it's exactly the same. So it'd be like, if you said you need shoes and I said, everybody gets the same kind of shoes. I'm not asking about size. I'm not asking about what you need them for or what climate you live in. And when we talk about creating things that are more equitable, you have to see us. You have to create a truly equitable and truly just conscious culture. We have to see each other and we have to understand what those needs and perspectives are. I will also say, y'all, if you're a person out there who's listening to this and was like, I don't get it. I say, I don't see color all the time. And I think that's a good thing. You call me up. I'll have a conversation with you. It sounds like Michao's Chow's got some folks she's having a conversation with, with, but listen, always have that conversation and leaning into that crunchy stuff, as we call it in your proximity conversations. I was coaching someone and they asked me like, oh, I'm not sure what the really the correct way to ask this thing to this person is. So I just didn't say anything. And I said, that's the proximity conversation. It's, hey, I don't know how to have this conversation. So help me work through it. So Michao, I could talk to you forever. So I'm just going to maybe grab some time with you just personally, just to, to hang out. 
Beautiful. Just to hang out. But I do want to wrap up today and just say a couple of things. One, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your brilliance and your wisdom. Thank you for what you do for our company and our conscious culture. I'm taking away today, just really just thinking about that, needing to be authentic to ourselves first as we continue to build relationships. So we've got to know ourselves. It's okay if we needed to play some tricks on our brains a little bit to get us where we need to do, but ourselves as advocates. Alex, I'm wondering like, what's one thing that you're walking away with today or something that stuck with you? I'm just in me. Yes. See you, we see you, we hear you, and we thank you. That's all I want to say, Callie. You summarized it perfectly. Okay. And then I'll say me chow. One last word. Anything else you want to leave our podcast audiences with today before we sign off? Thank you for that. And thank you for your feedback. And it's been just a lovely conversation for me as well. The one thing I would say to your audience is this. Remember, you are of a value, right? You were selected to be here. You were selected to be in this company. You have value. Don't ever let anyone tell you you don't. All right, y'all. Love your value. Embrace your value. And let's go get proximate. Until next time. Thanks all. Let's go. Let's Let's go. go. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Proximate podcast powered by Cisco. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Cisco, an industry leader in technology innovations and with networking, security, collaboration, cloud management, and more, Cisco helps to securely connect industries and communities, creating the bridge to possible. Find out more at www.cisco.com.